when light walks into the room, death has to go. Jesus calls himself the truth. And when truth shows up, those lies we believe about ourselves start to lose their power. Jesus says, I am the way, and when I show up, something has to break. I'm believing that that's happening all across this room right now today. And so if you don't believe that about yourself, then borrow some of my faith because I got plenty to go around. And so let's pray. Father, we are here for you today. Jesus, we exist to make your name beautiful. And so Jesus, would you be here with us? Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Would you teach us? Would you help us? We are here for you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Red Rocks, Austin, it's so good to be together. You guys take a seat. Welcome to week two of summer at Red Rocks. This is going to be part two of two, so the second half of a talk that I began last week called Travel Light. And uh, if you weren't here last week, don't worry. I saved the better half for last. And so don't worry, Logan, the better half is coming right now. And um, hey, if you weren't here, let me give you the two-minute Spark notes from last week. Because how many know sometimes just reading the spark notes is enough to pass the test? My, one of my best friends, Keith and Caitlin, are here, and Keith is an English teacher. And so I just had to work that in. Keith, I'm sorry, forgive me. That's not true. Read, read books, it's good for you. Okay, two minute spark notes from last week. We called it Travel Light. And it, was, uh, it started from a series of hikes that I took um, the week before in Park City, Utah. Shout out to Jackson and Emma. Congratulations. Coolest wedding ever. Oh, you can do better than that. Come on, they got married. Um, the first day I get there, I set out on my first hike. And for whatever reason, I'm like, well, I need to bring my backpack but like for, for you outdoors people, you're like, yeah, you gotta have like first aid kits and you know think, ways to start fires if you need that or I don't know, whatever. Like, like this was not that, to be clear. I brought three books with me to hike. You know, like just in case I finish the first and then finish the second and wanna dive into the third, right? Then I bring two journals with me for all the journaling I'm gonna be doing while I'm hiking in case I finish up one journal and have to move on to the second. And then I stuff a hoodie in my bag, even though it's 85 degrees and I'm going on a hike. And all of that sounded great in the hotel room, but halfway up the mountain, I thought, you know what would make this journey a whole lot easier? If I wasn't carrying so much baggage with me. And then I thought, that sounds like a great two-part sermon to give at Red Rocks Church because the Christian walk is so much easier when we're not burdened by all of our baggage and bitterness. But when we learn how to give that back to God and travel light, all of a sudden we're freed up to make a difference in this world, to make heaven more crowded and earth more whole. And so what we did is we talked through some of the things as Christians that, that we tend to carry that we just don't need to carry. Like the first one I, I talked about was the gavel right? Like we still want to be the judge, even though this seat belongs to God. We want to be the ones who are declaring like, you're right, you're wrong. And, and I know that this is light, like literally, but figuratively, trying to hold the gavel is very heavy, right? God goes, no, 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 why don't you give the gavel back to me? Why don't you lay that down and, and travel light? It's like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount where he goes, why are you looking at the, the dust in your neighbor's eye when you have a giant plank in your own eye? 
<laughs> you know, why are you judging them? Why don't you think about yourself? We like walk around like, I can't, those people over there, they love to gossip. And like, I can't wait to tell all my friends about how much they are gossipers, <laughs> you know? And Jesus is like, look at the thing right in front of you. Just if you lay that down, you'll travel so much lighter. Or how about this? I brought out a VHS tape, first time in years. Because back in high school, we used to watch uh, game film on Saturday mornings of our football games from Friday night on these VHS tapes. Um, and that was usually a fun thing for me, except for homecoming game junior year of high school because I dropped a touchdown pass and it was just brutal. And that regret, like we played it back over and over and over again. And, and then I had this tape going through my mind on repeat for like two years and it was heavy and it was weighing me down until one day in worship when God was just like, hey, I think it's time to let that go. I think it's time to release some regret and, and put that down. And, and it's like, it's high school football, you know? Like, you don't wanna be Uncle Rico 40 years from now, who's like the epitome of carrying so much baggage with him from, from high school football. I, that's a silly example. There's like serious regret. And we talked about that as well. You go watch it. We don't have time for that. And then the, the last thing I said, and you're like, how long was this sermon? I don't, I don't know. It was too long probably. But we talked about the mirror. We talked about comparison. Like, like how often have you been in a conversation with somebody and you're looking them in the eye and yet you're really just looking at your reflection right back at yourself. You're wondering, I wonder how I'm doing in this conversation right now. I wonder how, how they think I'm doing. I wonder if I'm being smart enough or spiritual enough or funny enough. I wonder if I'm talking uh, enough, right? Like that game is so exhausting. So, so if we as Christians can learn to just realize that our identity is rooted in, in who God says we are as sons and daughters, we can put the mirror down and we can be more present and we can travel light. Now what you didn't know is I had more props in my bag at the time. And my plan was, okay, I'm gonna come up and preach part two of Travel Light. And since I'm super creative, I'm gonna call it Travel Even Lighter. And it's gonna change your life, man. We're gonna preach all, all about this, right? Because like, I've got my magic eight ball in here because I just feel like we, we treat God like a magic eight ball, you know, and we want all the answers for our future so that we can remain in control but pretend like we've surrendered. You know, like, God, how is this sermon gonna go? Not looking good so far. I, I don't know, it's a weird example, right? But, but like, we want the, the, this thing really let me down. I'm gonna do it again. You're doing great. Signs point to yes. It wasn't really a yes or no question, but I don't really know how to use these, right? We treat God sometimes like, God, would you just tell me how the future is going to go so that I don't have to, so surrender, and I was going to preach about how we need to let go of control, and it was gonna be powerful, and it was gonna change lives, right? Like, we gotta put that down. Or, or how about this one? Uh, how many know as soon as you put your headphones into your bag, and then you get on your flight, you, you, you're like, oh, I gotta listen to, to a podcast, and then you pull it out, and you're like, wait, what happened? <laughs> you know? Like, the headphones were just sitting in the bag. The, how did they get so easily entangled and I was reminded of what the writer of Hebrews says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. And man, I was gonna preach about it and it was gonna be powerful. And I had my notes all ready to go. And then Tuesday night comes along and I'm looking at my notes and I just like, man, something about this isn't right. It's good, but it's not great. 
I like it, but I don't love it yet. And I, I'm looking over my nose, trying to figure it out. I go to bed. I wake up Wednesday morning, and I go, I got it. I know what the problem is. Hey, here's the problem with, with pastors like me. Is sometimes we get really good at telling you all the things you're not supposed to do. We get really good at telling you all the things you're supposed to lay down. Don't carry those things. Don't go there. Don't talk to him, right? Like, like walk away from that. Don't think about those things. And that's important. But, but sometimes, if we're honest, it's like, okay, so I'm supposed to put all these things down, got it, and now, like, I don't know, am I just supposed to, like, sit down for the rest of my life and try really hard to not pick those things back up until I die, you know? Like, like we talk about, like, defense, you gotta, you gotta be on guard against these things. And listen to me, defense is important. Defense wins championships. But, but how many coaches know if you don't also talk about offense, then the best you can hope for is a zero-zero tie. You can't just play defense and expect to win. You gotta play some offense. The Milwaukee Bucks won game five last night of the NBA Finals. Uh, sorry, Patrick, if you're in this room. I still got sons in seven. I don't know. We'll see. Probably not. Right, but they, they, won, they won last night, not just because they played good defense, but because they scored like 130 points, right? It's defense and offense, David, I'm sorry. Sons and seven, let's go. I still believe, I still believe. Um, defense and offense together is the key. It's like Jesus, he, he doesn't just say, come to me all you who are weary. He says that and then he says, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Go and do likewise. You're not just here to be okay. You're here to carry this message of love with you everywhere you go. And then a few chapters later when he, when he goes, hey, the gates, I'm on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hey, you don't need to play defense against a gate. Gates are for attacking. Gates are for being on the offense. Jesus is going, look, hell is going to try to divide, but we as Christians can actually stand up and be proactive and fight for unity. Hell is going to try to, to take us down, but we can actually build people up. The thief is going to come to try to steal, kill, and, and destroy our joy, but according to the Bible, we can actually storm the gates of hell and steal that joy back. Why? Because we're not just here to play defense, we're also here to play offense. Uh, and so I was going to preach a sermon called Travel Even Lighter and play some more defense, but it's time to play some offense. So I'm gonna give us three words today. Three words that we're going to carry with us into every conversation this week. Three words we're gonna take with us to work. Three words we're gonna take to, uh, with us to school. Three words we're gonna take with us even on the highway when that person cuts us off. Here we go, we got this. Three words that are going to help us build the kingdom this week. All three of these words are found in one verse. Preaching from one verse today. It's the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 13. So if you know your Bible, Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth, kind of a hard-hitting letter. The 13th chapter, though, is this beautiful picture of love. Like, it may be the best literature on love that we have. And it's funny because it's Paul, you know, like the guy who was like so adamant that he didn't want a romantic relationship, like all of a sudden gets super romantic all of a sudden for, for a chapter, which just makes me laugh. Maybe it gives me hope. I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going on. Here we go. Let's get back to the Bible. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians 13, 13. It says this. 
hey, Paul is talking about all the things that are so temporary, that are passing away. All these things that we, we carry around for no reason. And then he goes, but three things are going to remain. Faith, hope, and love are three words for today. Faith, hope, and love. And then he doubles down on love. The greatest of these is love. Because by the way, faith is the foundation. Hope is the attitude we carry with us, but love is the action. Paul goes, we learn to carry faith, hope, and love with us, then we're making an eternal difference in this world. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna take these three words one at a time and learn how to travel light, because here's the thing, hope's not heavy. And love is light. And faith sets people free. So if we can carry these three words with us, then every room we walk into is going to, going to get lighter. It's going to get better. Uh, and, and it's going to, we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven with us everywhere we go. So word number one is faith. What is faith? I'm glad you asked, or I asked you. Hebrews 11 verse one gives us a working definition of faith that says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. There's that word hope again. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence and assurance. Do you have anybody in your life who walks around with so much confidence and assurance because they know who God is and they know that God's going to show up and they know that everything's going to be okay? How do you feel when that person walks into a room? Right? You should feel better. I don't say nice things about Ethan too often and never to his face. <laughs> Why wouldn't you say it to his face? Um, but he is one of these guys for me. Carries faith with him. He has a confidence and an assurance that God is going to move. Uh, like a couple of months ago, we did a, a baptism service in here. And it was this amazing morning and a whole bunch of you got baptized and we just celebrated. It was great. Right before the nine o'clock, as the nine o'clock service got started, E and I were, were over there. Emily was leading us. We were worshiping God. We love you, God. We, we trust you, God. This is all about you. And then I go, hey, E. He's like, what? You go, hey, that water's warm enough, right? And he looks at me like, yeah, the water's warm enough. It's fine. Okay, okay. And I'm like, back to God, we trust you, God, we love you, God, I've got so much faith in you. Hey, E, you don't think that water's too warm, do you? <laughs> He's like, Ryan, the water's fine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. God, I love you, God, I trust you, God, I worship you. E, you think that microphone's in the right place? Should I, should I go move it? And, and we've been doing ministry together for a long time, and so he knows what's happening. I'm getting nervous, and when I get nervous, I start trying to control things, right? And so I'm trying to, to think through all the different things that are going on, and he looks at me, and he just goes, hey, we've been doing this a long time. We know what we're doing, and more importantly, God's about to move. Let go and let's go, you know? That's all I needed. I just needed a, a little bit of faith. I, I, I knew that, like I knew that driving in, you know, but, but then everything started happening and I, and I just like, I lost my sight for a second. I needed some realignment and I was starting to pick up all this baggage, all this, all this worry. And so he just goes, hey, you gotta have a little faith, man. We got this, God's got this, let's go. That's all it takes. It's a 
gift. Man, when you can travel with faith, you wanna travel light, travel with faith. Share that faith with your friends. Share that faith with your family. Share that faith with everybody that you see. It's an absolute gift. So number one, do you have people in your life who will share that faith with you? But more importantly, are you one of those people who shares that faith with others? So let's talk about you. How can you be that person who travels, who carries faith? I don't mean to uh, over-spiritualize what I'm about to say. I, I really don't. I, um, I've just noticed over the years that when I'm praying about a sermon, every once in a while, it's like a phrase drops into my soul that's a little different than the other phrases. And I've noticed that when I say that phrase, it's usually that one that people come up to me after and go, hey, I needed to hear that. And so I say what I'm about to say because this next thing I'm gonna say is that phrase. And, and I just feel like maybe this is for some people praying about how can we be people who carry faith with us, I feel like God's telling us, hey, trust your track record. Trust your track record with me. Trust your past with me. We've been here before. You've seen me move before. Your circumstances have changed now, but my faithfulness has not changed. I'm still the same, and so trust me. It's like we used to teach swimming lessons and the, the kids would like start to swim in three feet of water and then we'd move them to the deep end, remember? And it would always be like this, like, like remember? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this hypothetical situation? <laughs> and they'd get nervous and we'd have to tell them, you know how to swim in three feet, you can swim in 10 feet. It's the same thing. It's a little scarier, but you do the same thing. Some of you are stepping into new levels right now. Some of you are stepping into new seasons of your life right now. And I feel like what God wants you to know is trust your track record. I was thinking about this for myself. When I uh, got my first ministry job offer, uh, Doug and Ian and I, we, got, we were really good at being interns and being missionaries and sleeping on our friends' couches, right? Like we, we had the whole like, non-paid ministry thing down. We could, uh, we were experts at it. But then uh, I get an opportunity to, to be a pastor and um, I was living in Laguna Beach at the time, California, and I'm trying to decide, should I take this, this job? Um, and I'm on the beach, sun's going down, it's beautiful. This is so dramatic, I'm sorry. Just stick with me, we're going somewhere. Sun's going down, I'm on the beach, and I just feel, I didn't hear an audible voice, I'm not sure that I ever have, it was just something deep in my spirit, like a peace, that I knew that God was like, hey, I want you to go. And you guys, I stood up, and I was like jumping up and down on the beach, you know, I'm like high-fiving strangers, like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. And they're like, yeah, we wish you would, you're scaring us, like, get out of here. And that excitement lasted for about 30 seconds. And then all of the worry sets in. But where am I gonna live? Like, who's my community going to be? Am I even gonna fit in? You know, are they even gonna like me? I'm like, like, what am I gonna eat? <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's a whole new town. <laughs> Turns out there's restaurants and grocery stores everywhere, just so we're clear. <laughs> but you know how this starts to happen in our minds, right? I just hear this Bible verse that, that Maybe some of you need to hear today in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus just goes, hey, seek first the kingdom 
you know what you're supposed to do? Go take this job, and all those other things will be added to you. So I take a deep breath on the beach. I go back to my buddy Sam's house. I'm sleeping on his couch at the time, and I tell him I'm going to go, and we're all excited. Looking back, he was probably just excited that I was getting off his couch, you know. And sure enough, I open my computer, and I, I go to a roommate website, and there's a, a room open five minutes from the church that I'm going to be working at at a price that I can afford. And then I, I head up there, and I think, well, am I going to have community? And within a few months, I meet people who are, are lifelong friends of mine, right? And, and people who, um, like, I don't know, I just, like, I meet this, this crew of people so quickly, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, you just, like, you just trust God. You seek first the kingdom, and then he takes care of the rest. Like, here's the crazy thing is a bunch of those people are in this room right now. Like, a bunch of those people, like, like okay, if God had said, oh, by the way, uh, eight years from now, you know that dream that you and Doug and E have had to plant a church? We're putting that on the back burner because you need to learn a bunch of things. We're going to learn a bunch of things. And then eight years from now, you're going to move to Austin. And a bunch of the people that you meet at that church are going to help you come plant that church in Austin and make heaven more crowded and earth more whole. I would have been like, I wish you would have just said, just go. You know, like, you almost gave me way too much right there. This is how faith works, right? God just gives us the next thing, and we just learn to take that next step. I think I just quoted Frozen 2 right there. <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> Gotta stay focused, guys. <laughs> um, hey, let's carry faith. We want to travel light, carry faith. The second word is hope. Hope. If you remember back from Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says confidence in the things that we hope for. So now you might be thinking, well, what are the, thing, what are the things that we hope for? I'm glad you asked. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. We all know that. We live in a broken and fallen world. There's sickness and death all around us. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Where is our hope? Our hope is in eternity. My goodness, the amount of problems and issues that would solve if, if church, if we would just get back to putting our hope in eternity rather than temporary things. If we would get our hope back in the reality that one day every tribe, tongue, and nation will be worshiping God together, sitting around one giant table, having one meal, laughing, loving, no silly comparisons and competitions and, well, God used Red Rocks to save this many people and Celebration Church to save this many people. Well, just, hey, the body of Christ high-fiving, hugging with nothing but love for one another and reverence and awe for our creator. You feel that. That's hope. Hope is not heavy. Hope has this wild way of taking burdens off of our shoulders. And church, we need to get our hope back. It's like, you ever, you ever think about how Jesus was constantly, like, like people were always trying to trick Jesus and trap Jesus. To use modern day language, they were trying to trigger Jesus. They wanted to get him worked up so that he would say something that he didn't mean 
so that it would lead to his destruction. And every time he just like didn't affect him. Do you know why? Because he saw Satan fall like lightning. Because he understood the bigger story, the eternal love story his father is writing through all of this. So the, the Pharisee right in front of him, it's just a broken dude bound up in his own insecurity and self-righteousness. And, and, and the backstory to him is, is, that led to this behavior is probably brutal. And so Jesus would just sit there with love and say, hey, I'm here for it. How much different is that than, than how most interactions go in 2021? Polarized, picking sides and canceling anyone that doesn't see it our way, Right? Hey, we gotta get our hope back. I gotta get my hope back. I'll go first. I love the Bible. I love theology. Kind of a nerd. They make fun of me for it. It's fine. Um, when I first started studying seminary and all that, I, I realized real quick that underneath the umbrella of Christianity, like underneath the, the belief that Jesus is Lord, there are a whole bunch of different opinions about secondary issues, and there are a lot of opinions um, and, and, and uh, arguments about those things. And when I first started learning, I, I started like getting a bit, this is kind of like the normal pattern, really super self-righteous about the things that I was learning. And then I would get really angry at people that didn't see it that way. And I'd be like talking to Doug in conversation and he'd say something about some, some preacher or whatever. And I'd just be like, oh, that's not what the Bible says. And Doug, who's always just been ahead of me in all this, would just go, whoa, hey, what was that? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. I am starting to care about the issues more than the people, huh? Like, I want to be right more than I want to love. I want to I be correct more than I want to treat this human being like a human being who needs and deserves my love and respect. I got I to gotta put that down. And over the years, conversation after conversation after conversation, like I've been learning how to do just that. And now if you're thinking, but, but Ryan, we gotta, we gotta speak up for, for truth. Totally, I agree. Hey, it's just that I was so bound up internally that I wasn't gonna be any help externally. I'm not telling you don't use your voice. I'm, I'm telling you, let's learn how to use your voice in a way that has influence and impact so that we can actually start walking around with some anointing. Write, write this down. If you wanna be a part of the external solution, you gotta let God work on your internal problems. You gotta surrender those back over to God and go, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just an imperfect person. I got, got all bound up in all of that stuff. Would you teach me how to love the people right in front of me? Because by the way, love usually works a whole lot better than logic when it comes to changing hearts. As Preston Sprinkle says, people are rarely ever argued into the kingdom. Um, we gotta get our hope back. How, how about this? We gotta learn how to ask the question, what, what, what about this is going to matter 10,000 years from now? When you're having that, that interaction or you're at the Thanksgiving table with, with your extended family, what about this conversation is gonna matter 10,000 years ago, from now? Because being right is not the right answer. Faith, hope, and love are the right answers. Man, we learn how to carry this hope with us. We're going to be traveling a whole lot lighter. We're gonna make every room we walk into better.
The last one, of course, is love. And Van, you guys can come on up. Love, Paul even says, is, is everything. John, apostle of Jesus, walked with Jesus for three years. And then he had 60 years to meditate, think about everything that Jesus said. And then toward the end of his life, he sits down and writes this beautiful letter we call 1 John. And in that letter, he says this. He says, beloved. We could stop there. Beloved. You are loved. God sees you and he goes, my son, my daughter. Hey, you had a bad week this week? Beloved. This is your first time in church in a long time? Beloved. Beloved. If God so loved us, said, then why don't we turn around and share that love with the world? We are so loved by God. Our only job is to receive that love and share it with everybody. That we, Our job is to carry love. Love is light. Love is the lightest thing you can carry. And don't confuse light with weak. Love is not weak. Love is powerful. Love ferociously and unapologetically breaks chains and builds, breaks down the walls that stand between, between us. No, love is not weak, but love is light. And if we can get in the habit of, of helping people, taking burdens off of people and sharing the love of Jesus with them, church, my goodness, we're going to see a city start to change. And, and hey, what I didn't say is take the burdens off them and put them on our own shoulders. Caretakers in the room, listen, I love you. We need you here. I also want you to be healthy 10 years from now. Hey, stop trying to carry the burdens that Jesus carried to the cross. You're not Jesus in the story. Jesus is Jesus in the story. Our job is to sit and to cry, and to feel, and to empathize, and give those burdens to Jesus. That's what it looks like to carry love. And my goodness, church, how things will start to change. I was talking to uh, my buddy Matt yesterday. We were at the driving range hitting golf balls, and I'm helping him with his swing. It's kind of a ministry. Kidding. He's a really good golfer. He helps us. I go, Matt, um, I'm gonna preach about faith, hope, and love tomorrow. And he said, uh, you're such a great pastor, man. Thanks for taking all this hard work and all this time to do all these things. I'm kidding. He said, uh, cool bumper sticker sermon, bro. <laughs> it's just something I've been working really hard on, but. No, I said, hey, Matt, uh, faith, hope, and love, which one is the easiest for you? He thought about it for a second and he said, well, I guess it'd be love. Like, you can find tangible ways to, to help people and make this world a better place. I said, all right, well, which one of those is the most difficult for you? He thought about it and he said, well, love. And I said, yeah, I get that. Because love is so simple, a first grader can understand it. 
and so profound that we'll be spending the rest of our lives trying to understand the deep mysteries of what it means to be people who are loved by God, who share that love with others. And if you're anything like Matt and I, you might be feeling a little intimidated right now. Like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. So difficult. I wanna carry love, I wanna carry hope, I wanna carry faith, it's so hard to do it though. And uh, you know what I've found a whole lot of encouragement in this week is that you're in good company with every single person who has ever tried to follow Jesus. Starting from the beginning, all the way back to Acts chapter two, when the disciples, Jesus is gone and the disciples are now in the upper room together. They're like, man, we gotta go love all these people and share the gospel with the world. We don't, we don't even know where to begin. And they just sit in this upper room praying together. We'll pick the story up there. Acts chapter two, it says this. The day of Pentecost came. It's Pentecost, so it's a festival. There's a bunch of people in Jerusalem from all different parts, a bunch of people who speak different languages. That'll come into play in a sec. They were all together in one place. Kind of like this room. It says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And get this, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I love it, the Spirit's like, a bunch of people speak different languages, we don't have time for Rosetta Stone, I'm just gonna teach you real quick, let's go. Group of men and women, followers of Jesus who have no idea what to do and a whole lot of baggage, and then the Holy Spirit comes and helps them lay down all of their insecurities and their burdens and pick up love and go out into the world. And that's exactly what they do, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they carry love into the world. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved that day. Then in the next chapter, in Acts chapter three, Peter and John are walking down the street and there's a man who needs to be healed and Peter, so overflowing with the love of Jesus, just looks at him and heals him and a bunch of people find out about it and a bunch more people get added to the number that day. And then you get to Acts chapter nine and there's this guy named Saul the self-righteous guy who's so bound up that it's not, it's not enough for him to be right, he needs other people to be wrong. And so he's making a living out of throwing Christians in prison and killing Christians. And then the Holy Spirit gets a hold of him. He goes blind, literally goes blind for a while, learns how to, to lay down all of this baggage and carry faith, hope, and love. And he takes the gospel, not just from Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and quite literally to the ends of the earth. And then for thousands of years, Jesus followers have been meeting together in rooms like this going, we don't know what to do. We don't know how we're going to be able to love and the spirit of God empowers them to drop the baggage and carry love. Like I think about the Reformation in the 16th century where, where Luther and, and Calvin and those guys empowered by the spirit just go, hey, I think all this stuff, all this other stuff maybe isn't the point. I think maybe we need to get our eyes back on Jesus. And so let's put all this other baggage down and carry some love. Or the 18th century, the great awakening that started with repentance where they go, let's just repent of all this stuff and get back to, to, to Jesus and carry this love. And the Holy Spirit empowers them to lay it down and carry love. 
the Azusa Street Revival back in the 20th century, beginning of the last century, where, where they just lay this stuff down, get back to Jesus, get back to love, and the Holy Spirit empowers them. And we see all sorts of people get saved. Heaven gets more crowded, earth gets more whole. Think about 2005 in Golden, Colorado. Chad and Sean and, and, and the guys are, are feeling so insecure about all this, the, this church that they're supposed to start and yet they, 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 they put down this baggage and the Holy Spirit just, just, just empowers them to go, hey, but you can carry love. So carry love, let's go. Or I think about 2008 in Boulder, Colorado where, where Ethan and Doug and I are going, we're not leaders. We can't have influence, not any of the good kind of influence. And the Holy Spirit goes, hey, it's time to lay down those insecurities, lay down that baggage and carry love. We got a church to build. I think about a couple years after that where those two storylines intersect and we go, what if we took Red Rocks to Austin, Texas and we're scared and we don't know what to do and yet we lay down all this baggage and the Holy Spirit empowers us to keep our eyes on Jesus and carry love. And I say that because I can't help but think what the next testimonies are sitting in this room right now. I can't help but think what stories God wants to write through the people in this room right now. I can't help but wonder why some of you are feeling this pull from the Holy Spirit to lay down some things, to let go of some things, and to pick up faith, hope, and love. Because the Spirit of God is going, we got some work to do. You wanna be a part of something bigger than yourself? You wanna be a part of building the kingdom, let's go, let's go. And you're not gonna feel like you're able to do it and that's the entire point because the Holy Spirit is going to come and empower you to do just that. So would you guys stand to your feet with me? We're gonna sing a song called Fresh Wind because all I know to do in this moment is what we've been doing for thousands of years where we go, God, I, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know where to go from here. Spirit, we need you to fall afresh on us. We need you to help us lay down this baggage. We need you to help us carry this love and this hope. We need you to empower us to help us carry this faith. Holy Spirit, we need you. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing this song and we're gonna ask, hey, we're gonna trust our track record. For thousands of years, people have been doing this and the Holy Spirit just shows up over and over and over again. Why can't this morning be any different? So I'm gonna pray that the Spirit would fall afresh on us and help us lay down this baggage and carry love in Jesus' name. So Father, I love you so much. We love you so much. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every soul here. I thank you for the stories that you are writing in and through each and every person. Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that you would remind us that you are our power, that you are our strength. Would you help us lay down the stuff that's not serving us anymore? Pick up love, pick up hope, pick up faith, and carry it to a city that desperately needs it in Jesus' name.